of God, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit. Because it says, let us make man in our image. And so God in his nature is relational. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we are the offspring, if you will, of that of, 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 of the Godhead. Uh, in those in those three distinct personalities, and so so we naturally are created for relationship as well, but ultimately we're created for a relationship with God. All the things that we long for in our humanly relationships and in our searches for meaning, all they point us and should back to God. And so, how do we get closer to this God? How do we even find this God if we don't know this God today? Well, there are many answers that the Bible gives us, and one of the most simple and yet profound and hard to understand is that of prayer. And this is where Jesus can come in. You know, God in the flesh. You know, the image of the invisible God. And make our relationship with God more clear and more real and more amazing than ever. And that's what he'll do today as we look at Luke 11. Let's turn there. Luke 11, verses 1 through 3, 13. And we'll read, it, read this together to start out. Lord, teach us to pray this morning. In Luke 11, verse 1, it says, as we go on through the text here, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, that Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose in verse 7, the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So in verse 9, I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Since we're preaching on prayer today, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, that we uh, can not just search and hope that we can find you, but that we can we can search and find you, God. We can know who you are. We can know why we're here. Uh, and we can find relationship, God, ultimately in you. And we thank you, God, that Jesus uh, came to show us how to find you and how to know you deeply and intimately. And we know, God, that prayer is a huge part of that process. Help us today, God, to, to be humble. Help us today to want to be taught by the Lord how to approach prayer so that we can ultimately understand you, God, and our relationship to you and understand why we are here on this planet today. Thank you so much, God, for your word that enlightens us and guides us. May it guide us now, God, into a deeper understanding toward you and toward our lives. In the presence of Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. I needed that. You know, Luke, more than any other gospel, emphasizes prayer. We talked about this when we, when we introduced uh, the gospel a while back. You know, Jesus is now heading to the cross. The narrative has shifted back in chapter 9. And so it's no surprise he is focused on prayer. Almost all the, the big moments in Jesus' life are, are, are bathed in prayer when you go through Luke's gospel. 
Luke chapter 3, verse 21, uh, John, as he's baptized by John, it says he prays. Uh, chapter 5, verse 16, you know, before he deals with his growing popularity, he prays. Chapter 6, verse 12, before he chooses his 12 apostles, he prays. Chapter 9, verse 18, before he asks his disciples who he was and told them of his impending death, he prays. At the transfiguration, he prays. And even upon the cross, at the darkest hour, Luke 23, verse 46, he is praying. You know, Luke gives us a lot of insight on prayer. Only Luke tells us that Jesus prayed for Peter in his hour of testing in Luke 23, verse 32. Only Luke tells us of of the prayer parables of the friend at midnight, which we just read in Luke 11, verses 5 through 8. And the unjust judge in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. In an age of self-reliance and humanism, Luke's gospel is a reminder to a better way of life through prayer. Prayer is at the heart. Prayer is at the heart of the Christian life. But if we're honest, it is also at the heart of a lot of Christian struggle and frustration and misunderstanding and pain. Because we know the Bible calls us to have this incredible prayer life with God, but we often struggle to live that out. We often struggle to understand how it all works in the big picture of things. How do we pray is often a question and has been debated since Christianity started. How does God answer prayer? Why does God sometimes seem to ignore our prayers? Why does God answer some prayers and not others? And the list could go on and on and on. And these questions will be rolling just beneath the surface any time we consider and contemplate the idea of prayer. And so I come to you today, I'll be the first to admit, I'm a prayer novice. I'm not, I'm not someone who considers myself a, a mighty man of prayer. But I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. And I hope somehow as we go through this text, you too can learn to grow no matter where you're at in your prayer life with God. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as prayer goes in the New Testament, it's quite interesting. The New Testament seems far more interested in an invitation than an explanation when it comes to prayer. Mm-hmm. And you see this here. Jesus gives a little bit of explanation, but he, he, he is more inviting us. He's inviting us toward this idea of prayer. In this passage, I think, you know, ask, seek, and knock. And God, like a good father, will provide us the overall theme uh, of this passage that we just read. And I was trying to, you know, grapple with this. And I think an analogy that helps me uh, to pray, despite the challenges, and any of the parents in the room can probably relate to this. Uh, you know, we, we are often, you know, you know like my kids, uh, when I tell them to get in the car. Well, why? Where, where, where are we going? You know, why, why are we getting in the, in, in the car? As often as they get older, the question when I say get in the car. <laughs> and as a parent, sometimes you just want to say, just get in the car. <laughs> Trust me, there's a reason I want you to get in the car. And in this analogy, prayer, prayer is where we trust our Heavenly Father and decide, although there are many unknowns, we will get in the car and let Him take us somewhere we could not get on our own. And whether that parent takes that child to a holiday by the sea or the grocery store, you know, prayer in the same way allows God to take us somewhere better than we could go alone. And so the disciples' heart here in verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples' heart here ought to be our heart. When we understand who this God is we're praying to and what it can entail, this ought to be our heart. So just two wonderful ideas here I think can motivate us and inspire us and maybe even get some of us to begin 
To really pray to God the way the Bible calls us to. I think the first idea here that stands out to me is that prayer reorients. Prayer reorients. You know, as was often the case with Jesus, the disciples, you know, they saw him pray and they thought, Whoa, that's how you pray right there. And so one of the disciples boldly said, Hey, Lord, Lord, can you give us some insight on this? Can you teach us how to pray like you pray? And it makes sense where Jesus, you know, was God in the flesh. So, of course, he knew how to pray to God the Father because he's God the Son. And, and Luke's version of Jesus' response is what, you know, in the first four verses here is what we call today the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew has a similar account, uh, but it's a bit more wordy and a bit more detailed uh, than Luke's. Luke's is a bit shorter and more abbreviated. And rabbis often did this. They would give their disciples... A little formulaic version of prayer to God because an Orthodox Jew back then would pray three times a day. You know, the first time I learned the Lord's Prayer, I'll never forget it because uh, I didn't really grow up religiously at all. And so the first time I learned the Lord's Prayer was playing American football. Because Americans love for football and God, supposedly, uh, you know, we would, we would get all of our stuff on. You know, American football is a very violent game. We get all of our stuff on for the game and... And, and, and then the coach would come in, he'd give us a little motivational speech, and then we would all kneel. We'd literally take a knee, yeah. we'd grab hands, and we would pray the Lord's Prayer. And that's where I learned the Lord's Prayer you know, when I was a young man. And the interesting thing is it had no effect on us spiritually whatsoever. Because after that prayer, we'd rise with blood-curdling screams to defeat our enemy. There'd be explicit words and all kinds of terrible, evil things coming out of our mouths and in our hearts as we entered that gladiator arena called American football. It was hollow. It was empty. It was worthless. Because we didn't really get the meaning of what Jesus was saying. And so sometimes, unfortunately, our prayers can be the same way. We could just kind of go through the motions, just kind of say the words, but not really think about what they mean. But these words, whether it's literally a prayer we ought to pray, or literally more of a guide or an outline, I don't really know. But either way, if we really meaningfully approach God the way the Lord's Prayer tells us to, it could change our lives and it could change this world. And so I think, you know, as you look at this, there's really two things that stand out uh, when you look at this passage. I think, you know, it intersects two wonderful things about God. His deep desire for intimacy with us, His creation, intersects that with His immense Overwhelming, incomprehensible nature. Uh, and it starts out really with that focus of just on God Himself uh, in verse 2. In verse 2 of the text, you know, it simply just focuses on, on, on God's, God's love for us as He's called our Father in verse 2. Jesus was the first, uh, you know, one really to address God in that way as our Father. Uh, Paul and Peter will expand on that quite a bit in the New Testament with some wonderful teachings we don't have time for today. Um, but he invites us to address the Holy One of Israel as Father. So Jesus teaches us that we should address God the way that our child would address us as a parent. And note, not just any parent, a good parent, right? Because sometimes you think parent, that's, that's not always positive. And if you didn't have a great you know, upbringing, you can really have a negative connotation with Father, uh, for example. But, but what kind of father is he? Well, he says in verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? You know, you know. Daddy's at the at, at the fish net, you know, pulling in the fish, and and look and look, little Johnny comes up, and he, you know, Daddy, Daddy, give me a fish, and and there might be a water snake in there, and, and no good dad's gonna be like, here's a snake instead, you know, no, no, no good dad's gonna do that. He's gonna give little Johnny the fish, you know, and uh, and then he goes on, you know, what what, what father asked for 
Some asking for an egg, we'll give them a scorpion. You know, the, the, the hen's nest in, in, in Palestine was a warm place, and scorpions sometimes would, would go into those nests. And so that was known. You had to be careful when you're, when you're picking eggs out of a nest. And no, no good father's going to be like, oh, you want an egg? Here's a scorpion. No good father's going to do that. Right? And then Jesus says, if, if you then, though you are evil, know not to do that, how much more will your Father in heaven take care of you? And so as we pray, you know, we, are, we are first to consider this about God, that, that He has a deep desire for intimacy with us, His creation. He, he wants us to acknowledge and know that He is our Father. You know, the Aramaic term, He, he is our Abba, our Daddy, as we, as, as we might, might say today, my, my, my youngest, Eva, she still calls me Dada. Men point out that she still calls you Dada, and I love that because that's just that's her term of endearment with me, and I hope she'll always call me Dada, <laughs> even when I'm old and gray. Amen. Because I love her, and I want her to feel you know so secure with me, right? And that's how God feels about us. And so as we pray, we can start to approach God as our Father first and foremost, who loves us. And the other aspect here, prayer can open up. Uh, here at the beginning is just God's immense, overwhelming, incomprehensible nature. Father, hallowed be your name. Uh, you know, it reminds me uh, of the scripture here in, in Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And Hebrew name means far more than how to address someone. It, it really stands for the essence of who that person is. And so when we say, hallowed be your name, we're, we're speaking of God's immense wonder and awe and majesty. The creator of the universe, his sovereignty, his power, his might. And so, so as we begin to pray, we start to enter into and explore the vastness and the beauty and the, and the goodness of God. You know, William Barclay speaks of this by saying, that means far more than knowing that God's name is Yahweh. When you say, you know, hallowed be your name. It means that those who know the whole character and mind of God will gladly put their trust in Him. You know, as we pray, you know, Psalm 46 verse 10 can begin. As we pray, Father, hallowed be your name. We can be still and know that God is God. And I love this last passage here in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. And this, I think, is the way we need to start our prayers. You know, in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. You know, let's reorient ourselves to God's love first and foremost. That He's our loving Father. And let's reorient ourselves to God's amazing majesty and how in prayer we can encounter those two things. And we need both. You know, we, we, we need His love, but we, we need His sovereignty. We need His mercy, but we need His truth uh, in our lives and so on. And, and prayer can start to bring those two beautiful things together if we start out the way Jesus says that we should. So first of all, Father, hallowed be your name. That, that reorients us to God. Uh, and as, as we go to pray, you know, we, st- we start on earth, but it, but it needs to quickly, you know, go to heaven. And that's the idea here that Jesus you know, starts us out with. So prayer reorients us uh, to God. It also reorients us to life. It reorients us to God, you know, the vertical aspect here, but it also reorients us to life. And that's more, of course, of the horizontal aspect uh, of our relationship uh, with God. How does, how does prayer work in that sense? Well, prayer in that sense is very practical. You know, Jesus, he, he goes on, right? He goes on to, you know, to, to talk 
uh, about our daily bread in verse 3. The forgiveness of our sins uh, in verse 4. And, and even how you know, God can help us in the future. And so really it's this idea of you know, kind of the, the present, the past, and the future. Prayer, prayer covers all three aspects of our life. It covers our present needs. It covers over our past issues. And it guides us forward in our future. And it makes sense if you really if you really put God in His proper place, then then life can can much more clearly be worked out. Mm-hmm. So you start with that follow hallowed be Your name, and then you come down to the the, the everyday challenges of the past, present, and future. So pre, prayer or reorients us, reorients our present life. He starts out in verse three: Give us each day our daily bread. Reminiscent of manna in the Old Testament, the Israelites were given bread by God for a while. Hey, free bread that must have been nice. And uh, but they only got enough for that day. They tried to store it with rock, right? It, 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 it wouldn't last. God gave them just enough every day. Prayer helps us remember to make the most of the present. To live in and deal with today. We live in the age of anxiety. And the media, just, the media plays upon this. There's always, you know, what about this and what about that? And are you doing the right workout? And even now, you know, as I get older, it's like, it's like this is the wrong workout if you're 40. You know, it's like, you will kill yourself. You know, it's like, oh, no, I even, even when I try to exercise, I'm hurting myself. You know, it's just it's paranoia everywhere you go. And, and we can get so caught up in, in, in all those things, but, but, but God will provide. God will give us that daily bread. He will give us that daily bread. Uh, as it says in Matthew 6.34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's not if, but when the trouble comes. We must, we must pray, we must bring it to God, bring God into it. We can traverse that trouble as we pray today. You know, is that what we do? Yesterday I was putting together the, 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 my keynote for the Laughing Way to a Better Marriage, and I was having all kinds of technical issues, and I was getting so frustrated to the point where I felt enraged at the computer. And I'm sitting here, I'm going, I'm about to fight a computer. This doesn't make any sense at all. And I thought, Forrest, why don't you practice what you preach and pray? So I just took some time to pray about my technological incapacities and my frustration with Apple and all those things. And then it was amazing how I just, my spirit changed and I got back and actually figured it out. And so there's that practical help for us every day, today, today. We can pray no matter what no matter what comes our way. Wow, I'm rhyming. My poet don't even know it. And... Uh, <laughs> It's so important to grasp that. But it's not just our present, it's our past. Jesus then says, you know, in, in verse 4, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, he said, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And those are some of the best prayers. When you just get honest before God. It's not that God doesn't know about our sin, or someone else's, he, he already does, but we're, we're acknowledging it before our God. And we're asking him for that forgiveness, which only he can grant us uh, in our lives. You know, if we bring ourselves and others before a holy God, we are humbled and therefore see our need to be forgiven and offer forgiveness. And without a great prayer life, we can't really, according to this passage, really forgive ourselves, let alone others in our lives. And Jesus actually, he connects uh, in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, right after the Lord's Prayer, it ends in verse 13. Verse 14, Jesus says, if you for, connected to the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, 
your Father will not forgive your sins. And so prayer reorients our, 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 our present, it reorients our, our past, specifically our sins, and lastly, it reorients our future. It reorients our future. Verse 4 ends by saying, And lead us not into temptation. You know, prayer is where we can overcome temptation. What is temptation? Well, it's that spiritually, it's that fork in the road where you have a decision to make. You go this way and you're going to sin. You go this way and you're going to be righteous. So prayer can help us deliver uh, those crossroad moments in our lives. And and Matthew's uh, version of the Lord's Prayer literally says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mm -hmm. So in prayer, there's deliverance. Deliverance from sin. You're struggling with sin in a habitual way, on a regular basis. Well, how much are you really giving that temptation to God? And if you can cut it off before it it becomes more than that, through God, through your prayer, the sin can be eliminated in your life. You know, does your everyday life need a better direction? Does it it need a better bearing? Is is something missing? You know, you can hire a life coach. You can get a new job. You can find a better relationship, maybe. but, But first, go to God in prayer. Bathe those things in prayer. You know, the Bible calls, tells us to pray continually. It's not just a little pat prayer in the morning, but a life of prayer. Because prayer reorients us to God and in life. And if we really get this, well then this invitation is way more exciting. It's way more motivating. It's way more exhilarating to, to get on our knees in our bedroom. It's way more motivating to get out there in the park and, and pray to our God or get out your journal and write it down. However, whatever form or stand with your holy hands raised to God, whatever form of prayer you want to have, it's way more motivating. When we get this, when we get that it reorients us back to God and reorients us through this, 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 this challenge that we have in life. It makes us want to ask. It makes us want to seek. It makes us want to knock. And so, let's pray. Let's pray about prayer reorient us. And I've asked three volunteers, Tia, then then, uh, Cameron, uh, then Donna, uh, to give us a little bit of reorienting prayer right now. So let's pray together. Tia, we'll start.
understands like how much you really do for us, God. Mm-hmm. Really take, not take it for granted how much um, it means when we are able to just pray to you and have that connection with you. God. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just thank you for that. Uh, I really pray that we can think about uh, think about the present God. Know that you give us what we need every single day. We may pray for for this and that. Great for to have this or extra things, God, but you really do give us that day. Almighty, never asking God, thank you for this time. God, we can come before you. God, that we can uh, connect with you, the source, the Abba of, uh, of our existence, God. We praise you, Father, for the fact that despite the fact that we are uh, without you, God, evil. The Lord you have sent, Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. You, have, you Father, were depleted of his glory next to you, um, Father, so that you can come here to be with us, God. And Father, um, I personally want to praise you and thank you that you made me a, a, a human and not a cat or a dog because, God, I've had a chance to really um, understand you in a way that is so intimate. Not that I understand the relationships with either of those particular creatures have with you, God. And I'm grateful for being able to be a woman, for being able to be, um, Father, of the species of mankind. Father. Thank you for the fact, God, that we can have an intimacy with you. And I pray, Father, that um, you enable us to understand how high, how deep, how wide, how long is your love for us in Christ Jesus, God. That you help us to understand, Father, the significance of the kingdom of God. And Father, that you help us to understand that as speaking spirits, God, who are in a body, Father, we're able, Father, to speak to the God of the universe and have things change in this uh, this world in which we live. And I pray, Father, that we will take advantage of that. That, God, we will have an increase in our faith through, Father, the, the reading of your word on a daily basis. And, Father, be able to make an impact and to complete the work that you have sent us to do. We love you, God. We praise you. You will honor holy. You will honor worthy of that. And we ask this in Jesus' name that you are, you are glorified and pleased by the way that we live. Amen. Thank you, prayers, for your prayers. Prayer reorients us to God and in life. And second, finally, this morning, prayer reconnects. Prayer reconnects. We'll end uh, focusing in on this exclusive parable uh, that Luke offers us here in verses uh, 5 through 8. That's all about uh, prayer. All about prayer. The passage here in verses uh, 5 through 8 uh, is a parable. Uh, And Jesus says... You know, suppose you have a friend who shows up, and, and, and your friend shows up late. And in Palestine, typically traveling would be done very early in the morning, or very much toward twilight in the evening. So it wouldn't be that odd that around midnight, because that's when he goes to knock on his friend's door, according to the parable, that at midnight, someone shows up at your home. And, and, and in, in the Middle East uh, at that time, and it's still very true probably today, in most of those parts, hospitality was very, very significant and important, and you, you, you know, you did not, you did, you did not miss anything. I got a little taste of that Ismet and Phoebe's a little while back. You know that that that, that kind of hospitality, and uh, thank you for that. And uh, and so it, it was huge. It was it was a big deal. It was like your, your your love for your favorite football team or something. It was significant. And, and so this man has nothing to offer his friend who showed up, but he knows his neighbor. He always bakes a lot of extra bread. So he says, I'll I'll, I'll go knock on his door at midnight. And homes in in this time in Palestine, it was just typically one room. And so all the family slept in that room. They often also brought in uh, their animals as well at night. And so you can imagine, you know, the father's lying in bed. Here's this, you know, you know, this knock at the door. And he's awoken. 
And he hears his friend, I need some bread, I need some bread. Who is, I need some bread, you know. And, uh, and, and, and the frustration, if you're awakened, first of all, if you're anything like me when I sleep, you know, I'm like, I'm like a bear coming out of hibernation, you know, it's terrible. <laughs> Combined with the fact that you're, you've put all your children to bed, and if you have little kids, you know how it is when a little kid gets awoken, you're going to be awake for a while, you know. And so, so he's knocking on the door, he's asking for the bread, he has this, it says, shameless audacity. So I imagine it was very bold and very loud, you know, the, you know this, this message. So, so, so Jesus here would have, would have thought of all these factors. And then, you know, the sheep are bleeding and then, you know, the, the chickens are, 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 are clucking or whatever they do. And, uh, and so, the, oh, you know, and, uh, and, and Jesus, Jesus says, he says, he, he won't get up because of the friendship, but because of the man's shameless audacity. In other words, hey, you better be hospitable. Because that's, that's what we're about. That's probably what the, the, the first century model would have thought of. Yeah, of course you got to get up. You know, you, you don't really have a choice. The Greek word there for shameless audacity implies a boldness that comes from familiarity. A boldness that comes from familiarity. And, and note that the, the parable's breadless, you know, the parable's breadless host, he only asks once. He doesn't beg, he doesn't plead. He just says he asks once. And I was trying to think, you know, what is that like today? You know, is it it's confidence? We might say it's swag. You know, you know, you just you just got this this confidence about you. He so he's in the sense, you know, shameless because he's he's expecting his friend not to fail the communal expectations of hospitality. <laughs> And, and then it goes on, you know, uh, you know, Jesus again is, is inviting. So, so therefore, ask, you know, seek and knock. Even though you're evil, you, you know, not, verses 9 to 13, you, you know how to, how to treat your child. How much more will your Father in heaven? So again, he connects, you know, this parable then, then, then back to God. But the parable, it's a contrast, not a comparison. It's a contrast. So in other words, if your grumpy, irritated, and tired neighbor will get up and help you at midnight... How much more so will your Heavenly Father help you when you ask in prayer? And yes, in prayer, this bread from heaven, quote-unquote, may not be in the form or, or, or time frame we want. But somehow, surely God will provide is what we are reminded of here. Because again, it's, it's just it's God's nature. God will fulfill His promises. For example... Would be the way to take that parable, you know, and bring it into our lives, and that's why we come to Him and we pray, because God has already promised so many things that we can hang on to. But oftentimes we lose sight of that because we think God's more like the grumpy man getting awoken uh, than quite the opposite, which is what the Scriptures teach us over and over again. And that is why, that is why we are should be motivated to pray. You know, prayer it reconnects us. To that, to that beautiful vision and idea of God's kindness toward us, God's promises to us, God's, God's delight in meeting our needs as, as much as He possibly can and our wants. You know, prayer gives us spiritual swag as it reconnects us to the wonderful promises of God. You know, it reminds me of a story I probably told in here before, but I'll say it again. Sorry about that. It reminds me of a time, you know, where I was really not confident in life. You know, that, that, you know that, that time, you know, 13 years old or so, going through a lot of body changes, acne on my face. You know, my body wasn't caught up to my motor skills. It was an awkward time in my life. And somehow in the midst of all that, I landed on my first girlfriend named Krista. And, and 
teens, don't even think about it. It was a complete waste of time having a girlfriend when I was a teenager. Wait till you're in university at least and a girlfriend or boyfriend. That's my advice to you teens. Trust me, I've been there, done that at that age. It was a waste of time. But anyway, um, so I had this girlfriend, and you know, it lasted for a month because it was silly because we were kids, and we broke up. And, uh, and, you know, and I was deceived, obviously, you know, I, I hadn't I had met Mandy yet anyway, you know, my true loss, I wasn't able to, you know, she wasn't there yet, I couldn't even figure it out, it's the truth, but uh, anyway. And so Krista and I broke up, I don't remember how it happened, it was probably through a note or something, it was weird. And, uh, I shouldn't have been dating at 13, reiterating that to all the teens. And that's uh, my opinion, and I say it's gospel, but that's the gospel for us, for what that's worth. And, so, so we broke up, no big deal, and, and in America... In America, on Friday nights, you go to American football games. That's like a very traditional thing in your little town. Friday Night Lights, I think, is an American TV show about this. So uh, try not to be too American here. Forgive me. And uh, so I'm at the Friday Night Football game. My little 13-year-old goofy self there watching the game. And and, and I noticed, you know, uh, Krista started dating this guy named JJ. And JJ was one of those guys who had, you know, facial hair at age 13, like a full beard. You know, and uh, he's a big guy, tough guy. And, uh, and him and Crystal started dating. And I noticed during the game, they're at the game, and, and JJ's like glaring at me, you know, from across the stands. And I'm like, why is, why is he looking at me all like mad? I don't, I don't even know JJ. And, you know, and then he sends over one of his boys, and he's like, oh, JJ's going to beat you up after the game for us because he saw you looking at Krista. And I was like, no, no, I wasn't looking at Krista. Like, Tom, I wasn't looking. I never looked at her. Remember, I never looked at her. I was freaking out, you know. my little 13-year-old awkward self. I'd never been in a fight. I didn't know what to do. So anyway, he went back and JJ, you know, looks like we're having some kind of you know, death sign, you know, ah, yeah, I just knew it was coming. So I'm sitting there at the, at the American football game, like in the stands, and I start crying. Because I'm so overwhelmed. And so I run down the steps and go under the stands, and there's big, you know, kind of thick stands, and I just didn't know what to do. And fortunately, JJ didn't follow me. Uh, but Tyson followed me, and Tyson was really good friends with Jason. And Jason and I, we grew up together in primary school, you know, but, but we, didn't, we didn't stay together. So at this point, we're in secondary school. We weren't still that close. But, but Tyson says, what's going on? Jason wanted to know what, he saw you crying. I said, oh, Jason wants to beat me up. Oh, 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 oh. I'm like, still crying. Tyson's like, okay, I'm going to tell Jason. So Tyson goes and tells Jason. I kind of went down there. And then Tyson comes back and says, Jason, Jason has taken care of me. He told me to tell JJ. If, if he touches you, he's going to kill JJ. And Jason was the toughest guy in the school. No one messed with Jason. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'll go back to the stands and watch the game. You know? So, so I go back up there, and, and you know, JJ's like, oh, I was just kidding. You know, he comes up to me, we're cool. You know, I was just messing with you for us. You know? And I never forget walking in the, into, you know, year eight that Monday at school. Because Jason had my back all along, apparently. I just had disconnected from that idea. And so I reconnected with the idea that Jason has my back, despite my awkward acting self. Because I'm walking down the hallway, and I'm like, hey, how you doing, JJ and Krista? Good to see you guys. Love you great, Krista. Yeah, how's it going? I'm messing with guys because I had reconnected to, reconnected to the promise that Jason had my back. And everything changed at that point for me in life in general. At least for a little while. You know, prayer reconnects us to our God and His immense love, His protective love, His jealous love, and His wonderful promises for us. So we can have spiritual confidence and swag and boldness in our times of need, which are many. So we're going to end our time here taking communion together, and then the, the kids will come back in and we'll have some time of worship and take our hope collection. You know, no matter you know where, where you are today, 
where we are today. Maybe you, maybe you don't know God, but, but you want to know Him. I want to encourage you to, to, to pray to Him, to, to use the Lord's Prayer even as a guide for you to start to have that kind of relationship with Him. Maybe you do know Him, but you know it's not what it should be. Something's missing. Something's not right. I want to encourage you to go to Him. Go to Him. Go to Him in prayer. Get reoriented. Get reconnected. Maybe you're going through something and, and it's, it's just overwhelming. Again, come back to your God in prayer. Hopefully today our prayer life will change in light of what the Lord has taught us. In prayer we can surrender gladly to Him who can help us wherever we are. And, and, but we got to get honest. we got to get real. And I came across a very honest prayer in a book I, I was reading a while back on prayer. And this prayer, I love it because it's just so real, but it's so true if we really give our lives over to God in prayer in our times of need. It's called, I am praying again, awesome one. I am praying again, awesome one. And it's a, it's, it's a, by the, a German poet, uh, Rainer Rilke. Rainer Rilke. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. I should ask Walter how to say it. <laughs> I am praying again, awesome one. I am praying again, awesome one. You hear me again as words from the depths of me rush toward you in the wind. I've been scattered in pieces, torn by conflict, mocked by laughter, washed down in drink. In alleyway, I sweep myself up out of garbage and broken glass. With my half-mouth, I stammer you who are eternal in your symmetry. I lift to you my half-hands in wordless beseeching that I may find again the eyes with which I once beheld you. I am a house gutted by fire, where only the guilty sometimes sleep before the punishment that devours them hounds them out into the open. I am a city by the sea, sinking into a toxic tide. I am strange to myself, as though someone unknown had poisoned my mother as she carried me. It's here in all the pieces of my shame that now I find myself again. I yearn to belong to something, to be contained in an all-embracing mind that sees me as a single thing. I yearn to be held in the great hands of your heart. Oh, let them take me now. Into them I place these fragments of my life, and you, God, spend them however you want. Amen. Prayer is, is truth and grace accepted by us and given by God. And it's only possible, only possible to approach God as torn up as we are and as shattered as we are, as that, that poem, I think, so, so well put it. It's only possible because of what Jesus has done for us through His willingness to sacrifice Himself on the cross. He's opened up completely that access to God. And one of the greatest ways we can find that access today is through Prayer. So we'll think about that, meditate on that, and appreciate that. And that will help us, I believe, even as we take communion, to be washed by the blood and, and healed by His broken body so that we can grow in our prayer life. For as it says in Hebrews 10, verses 19-22, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, swag, there it is again, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. As we take communion, let's be excited of what can be in prayer. But remember, Jesus opened the door and keeps it open for us through his great sacrifice. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we need to pray more about our prayers. There is so much, God, to, uh, to understand and to grow in and to change. And so much that we can find. You say ask and seek and knock and, and the door will be open. The, the sentence will be answered. And we know, God, sometimes your, your answer is maybe, sometimes your answer is no. But often, God, we know even your answer is yes, whether we can see that or not. And we thank you, God, that you are a loving and gracious Father. We thank you, God, uh, that you can reorient us every day towards you and a little bit more toward heaven as we come to you in prayer. God, we thank you, God, that we can connect to you, uh, that we can pour our hearts out to you, our lives out to you. We can give you all the broken pieces, God, and you'll put them back together. And again, we thank you that we can find that in prayer. And right now, God, we really want to thank you that, that Jesus opened that door for us, that he showed us that way. And that he delivered us, God, through his great sacrifice on the cross so that we can have that privilege and that opportunity, God, to come to you freely and openly with, with wherever we are at. Because of the grace that he offers us, God, through his, his blood and his body. And as we take this communion, God, help us to be thankful and grateful. Help us to be washed and cleansed. Help us to be renewed, God. So we can go out this, this week, God, and learn from our Lord how to pray and how to allow that prayer, God, to change our lives. We love you. We thank you for this time to reflect on that. Through this taking of communion. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.